The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Thus, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who, lo- who he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for your wisdom. Um, I just pray uh, that our hearts will be open to what you're speaking to us through Randall's sermon that uh, we would grow in wisdom. Um, yeah, and we just thank you uh, again for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Hey, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, my name is Randall. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to welcome you this morning. Uh, today... We have the newcomers uh, lunch. Would love for you to join us for that. Um, it's just an opportunity to get to know you. And a big part of our church has has been said is it's about relationships. Um, and so we want you to grow in your faith. We want you to grow in relationships with those around you um, because the church isn't a solo project, uh, but it's a community of people following after Jesus. Amen. All right, so today uh, we're continuing our series uh, called Ancient Wisdom for a Modern World. Ancient Wisdom for a Modern World. And we are in the book of Proverbs. And so, again, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, That's the text we'll be studying today. And the message is God's Road to Wisdom. God's Road to Wisdom. Now, there's an old saying, uh, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. Prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. Now, I've been reading recently some different social researchers that have been concerned uh, because primarily they, they say that in many ways our culture has adopted uh, the opposite. We've adopted the idea that we must uh, prepare the road for the child, not the child for the road. And what they said is that it's in a resistance to primarily ancient wisdom, wisdom that is uh, people have time tested, that have gone before us and said, uh, we, we, we want to make our new path. We want to make a new way. And so they're concerned because uh, in many ways, what, what, what we're doing is we're not ready for life. 
and the challenges that we face. And so one social psychologist, John Haidt, said this. He says, from time to time in the years to come, I hope you'll be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you will uh, be lonely from time to time so that you don't take friends for granted. And when you lose, as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over you your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored so that you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope you will not uh, just, uh, you'll have just enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, you're, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not will depend upon your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. Again, this is somebody who's not coming from a Christian perspective, but does understand that there are going to be things in your life that you're going to face, and that your response to them is extremely important. And so in 2023, our church has been studying the book of Proverbs, and last week in chapter one, we studied how Proverbs is a book about wisdom. So what is wisdom? Well, the Hebrew word for wisdom, as we looked at before, is this word chokmah. It appears around 150 times in the Old Testament. And chokmah is the knowledge and ability to make the right choices at the optimal time. It's making good decisions when things aren't clear. It's navigating moments in life where our choices call for discernment, discipline, or discretion. For those of us on social media, it's whether or not we should post that article or tweet that opinion or respond to that comment. Wisdom is whether or not I should share that juicy piece of information or keep it to myself. It's deciding what types of friends I should have, who I should listen to for advice, or what type of person I should marry. Wisdom is how I raise my kids or what I should do with my finances. Wisdom covers all areas of life. And gaining wisdom, and specifically godly wisdom, takes time. So what do we learn from today's text? Well, what we learn is that there is a way or road to wisdom. Proverbs 4.11 describes it like this. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Wisdom is depicted as a path or a road. It's referenced over 700 times throughout the Bible. See, this is the road where God brings us in touch with reality. The reality of his divine order in the world and his creation his intended design for life. And Proverbs tells us that those, like we looked at last time, foolish or simple are those who fight, or as my son says, rage, you can rage quit, against his design. 
and ultimately become out of touch with reality. Phyllis Corky wrote an article in the New York Times entitled, The Science of Older and Wiser. And she interviewed uh, Monica Ardelt, who is a sociology professor from the University of uh, Florida. And here's what she said. She says, wise people are able to accept reality as it is. She did a lot of research in nursing homes, and she says this. She says, people in nursing homes or with terminal illnesses who score higher on the wisdom scale, uh, they report a greater sense of well-being. She says, if things are really bad, it's good to be wise. Friends, we need wisdom. The Bible says it over and over again. We need wisdom. And wisdom does not come easy. It's very hard fought. It's a journey with God where God develops us one step at a time. See, many of us, we want to teleport there. Instant. But God says, no, it's going to be one step, trusting me every step of the way. And along that process, God develops us from the inside out. But many times, instead of that long journey of wisdom, we, we want the quick fix. C.S. Lewis pointed this out in his book, The Abolition of Man. Here's what he says. He says, for the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of wisdom, uh, life has how, okay, let me say that again. For the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of human life was how to conform the soul to objective reality. And the solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue. For the modern, the cardinal problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man. And the solution is a technique. Let's dive into this. So what, what he's saying here is this, that we more readily want a TED Talk, a book, or a podcast to fix our problems rather than seeking wisdom. And what God's word says is his wisdom specifically. You see, wisdom, again, is a lifelong journey. It's a road where God develops us along the way. It's not a technique that we can try to pick up along the way. A hack to life. Eugene Peterson describes, he says, a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And that direction pointed to God. So again, our text, Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. Just to give some background here. Again, today's text was written by King Solomon, uh, one of the wisest men to ever uh, walk this earth. King Solomon uh, asked for wisdom in 2 Chronicles 1 and 1 Kings 3, and God granted him his request. And so a part of what we have today is what wisdom Solomon gathered during his life and, and wrote down, and it's inspired scripture that we read. And so the question is, how do we gain wisdom? Well, from today's text, we discover three insights from God's, or about God's road to wisdom, and here's what they are. It's by examining what I believe, number two, who I trust, number three, how I respond. What I believe, who I trust, how I respond. So the first one, what I believe. Look at verses one through three. My son, 
Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God man. What does this text say about wise beliefs? Well, we can see two parts here. The first one is this, that wisdom comes through others and by remembering. It comes from outside of us and remembering. So look at verse 1. He says, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. As Solomon starts first here, he says, okay, do not forget. Do not forget. So this is about knowing something, right? But secondly, he says, keep my commandments. This is about obedience. Now, all of this is relational, Wisdom, he's talking about here, is coming from outside of us. We need something from outside to come into us. See, what, it, what we see in the scriptures is that the, the fool says, I can figure this out on my own. I got it. I'm my own person, and we're very individualistic in this. But the wise person listens to others, leans on community, good friends, Mentors. And so the question is, are my beliefs only shaped by what I think? Or have I gained wisdom from the outside? Have I gained wisdom from others? Next, wisdom is not just knowing, but obeying. And specifically, when he's talking about commands, he's talking about God's commands. These aren't commands that he came up with, but these are commands that he received from God. See, it's knowing plus obeying that brings us into the alignment of what wisdom is. See, God's commands help us to understand who God is, who we are, and how we can live in this world. Uh, recently, my son, he's been playing basketball and um, been watching some of his games. And, and one of the things that he asked me, he says, you know, Dad, like, I, can, I think I see the court a certain way. I saw this play a certain way. I was, I was going this direction. I don't know, really know what happened. What did you see from where you were sitting? And so I'm telling him some different t t tips and things like that and saying, hey, here's what I see. And then the thing that I saw throughout the season was that he would start to take those things and start to apply it. He would take what I told him. I said, hey, I'm seeing this. There's some openings here. Try this. And he would do it. And what happened was he got better and better and better and better each game. See, that's the wisdom that we're talking about here where God is saying, okay, there are some things that I see. But you're not going to be the only one to see it, not just you and God, but also community, people that are on the outside saying, hey, I see something. What about this? How does it align with what God says? Next, Solomon says this, let your heart keep my commandments. So this isn't just the head space but it's making it all, all the way down to the heart. 
Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you, uh, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Basically, what, what's happening here is he's saying, okay, it's not just your mind needs to change, but your heart. And how does your heart change when you come to God and say, I need a new heart? See, what I find is sometimes my heart can start to become kind of resistant. Like, you know, I, I got it. I can do this. And I don't know, the more you, you read God's word, you're going to feel a struggle inside of you that's just like, yeah, I got it. I know that. But it's not about just knowing it. It's about it hitting here. See, why does he say heart? It's because there's something that you and I need to know and hold on to more than anything. It's this. It's that you and I need to deeply internalize God's love. Look at verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. See, what's going to change your heart? What's going to change my heart? It's steadfast love. It's a faithfulness. See, what is this love and faithfulness that Solomon is talking about here? Well, the word for loving kindness is this word hesed. It's an unfailing type of love. It's a faithful love no matter what goes on in your life. It's the love that explains that God has for us. It's a never giving up love. And he says, you need to bind this around your neck. You need to understand this. It's the love that says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Uh, I was sitting on the couch one night with my wife. We were trying to figure out which movie we're going to watch. And I'm, and I'm just one of those people who just turns on the trailer. And I'll watch like 10 trailers but I won't watch a movie, you know? Like, you're like, oh, that looks good. Not tonight, you know? <laughs> and just go on to the next one. Well, we were having one of those nights, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm turn on the trailer to this movie, Beautiful Boy. I'm like, okay, Beautiful Boy. I think I've heard of that movie before. Steve Carell, he's kind of a funny guy, you know? Like, let's turn this on real quick and, and watch this uh, preview. Well, the movie uh, is a true story about... A dad, David Sheff, and his son, Nick. And it's in the preview, all of these images of this dad and his love for his son. And it shows him when he was younger, and then he's like middle school age, and then he's a teen, adult. What I didn't realize with this movie is that it's about a dad who loves his son through drug addiction. And so as we're watching this and we're seeing this dad, it's just this scene of him and his son. He's just looking at his son. He's just like, where you been? Oh, yeah, dad, I got it. I, you know, I just, I've just been trying to figure out life. I just, I just, I, I got it all figured out. 
dad looks at him and says, what do, you, what do you got figured out? What do you mean? Finds out his son's living on the street. Finds out his son's destroying his life. And so as me and my wife were sitting there, we get done with the preview, and we just both have just tears in our eyes. And I'm like, okay. And we look at each other, and we're both crying. And she's like, why did you just do that? Why did you do that to me? You know, I, I didn't know. So I watched it this week <laughs> by myself. And I'll tell you, it's just like everything in me as a father is just like thinking about my kids. And I'm like, I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything for you. See, that's what it is. It's this love of a father that's just saying, I'll do anything for you. And when you get that picture in your mind of that's who God is, it'll change you. It'll change everything about you. See, Solomon is passionate here. He's saying, bind this around your neck. Write it on your heart. Let, let, let the hesed of God, the faithfulness of God, never leave you. John Owen once said, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him is not to believe that he loves you. To not believe that he loves you. See, when we think about the love of God, that's who he is. Solomon first says, hold on to the law, hold on to the Torah, hold on to the commandments, hold on to God's word, but then he gives us the heart behind it, the love. Do you believe that? See, we need to believe both if we're gonna become wise. We need to believe both if we're gonna become wise. The next one is this, how I trust. Look at verses five through eight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, what does verse 5 tell us about the natural disposition of the heart? That we are more ready to trust our own understanding over God's understanding. This is self-trust over trust in God. And so how do we choose to trust is really the next point. Who do we choose to trust? Uh, Roderick Kramer wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review entitled Rethinking Trust. And he's gonna talk a little bit about a guy named Bernie Madoff who probably heard of Bernie Madoff before, but um, there's this new Netflix series about him right now if you want to know more about him. But he basically, he was a con artist. He was a con artist and stole a lot of people's money. But here's what he says. He says, rethinking trust. Popular business books proclaim the power and virtue of trust. 
Academics have enthusiastically piled up study after study showing the varied benefits of trust, especially when it's based on a clear track record, credible expertise, and prominence in the right networks. Then came Bernie Madoff. There was something about this person, pedigree, reputation that inspired trust. Muse One broker taken in by Bernie Madoff, who confessed to a $65 billion Ponzi scheme, one of the largest and most successful in history. On the surface, Madoff possessed all the bona fide, all the bona fides. The record, the resume, the expertise, and the social connections. But the fact that so many people, including some sophisticated financial experts and business leaders, were lulled into a false sense of security when dealing with Madoff should give us pause. Why are we so prone to trusting? Madoff is hardly the first to pull the wool over so many eyes. What about Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, and all the other corporate scandals of the past decade, two decades? Is there perhaps a problem with how we trust, with how we trust? How we trust. See, Proverbs says this. Yes, there is a problem with how we trust. There is. Here's the problem. We trust ourselves too much. We trust our instincts too much. See, wisdom is not found in trusting our gut, our knowledge, our wisdom. It's trusting in God. And so what are the ways that we trust in ourselves? Well, Solomon lays it out clearly. We lean not on our own understanding. Lean on our own understanding. Here's what it is. I think blank. We take credit for ourselves. I did blank. We make our own path. I'm going blank. We only see life through our eyes. To the point, we will even look to what the word says, evil solutions. Evil solutions. Verse 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Turn away from evil. Now we say evil, come on. I'd never do evil. Let's look at an example. Imagine you're scrolling through your newsfeed and you see an article about someone you don't like. You start to read the article and see that they've been caught in a very bad situation and their corrupt character has finally been exposed. You read every detail and it only confirms what you've always thought. They are a terrible person. But then, later in the day, there are conflicting reports that factually prove the previous article you read was false. Now, who do you trust? Now, this is an updated version of C.S. Lewis that he gives in his book, Mere Christianity. But it exposes the heart and how we can turn to evil. Here's what he says. He says, the real test is this. One's first feeling, thank God, even they aren't as, quite as bad as that. Or is it a feeling of disappointment? And even a determination to cling to the first story, to the sheer pleasure of thinking, your enemies as bad as possible. 
If it is the second, then it is, I'm afraid, the first step in a process which is followed to the end will make us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. Later on, we shall wish to see gray as black and then to see white itself as black. What he's saying is that all of us can choose a path, take that path, and follow it to its very end. To the point we're not living in reality. And we don't want the facts. No, I want what I think. See, this is very practical. Verses 7 through 8 say, Be not wise in your own eyes. What he's saying is, Do not trust only your perspective. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Trust that God is greater and that He's the only one who's perfect. Don't look for evil solutions. Verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Are you on God's path to healing? Are you being healed by God? Next is this, how I respond. Look at verses 9 through 12. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. What's happening here? Well, verses 9 through 12 give us two scenarios in life. What we could call maybe the highs and lows of life. And how to respond wisely when they come. First, the highs, verses 9 through 10. What he's talking about here is there's, there's earthly success and wealth that's starting to come into your life. He's saying, he says this, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What he's saying is like, if you're doing well in life, and this is like what would be considered like really good life by earthly standards, he says, the th- first thing he says is, honor the Lord. Believe it was from God. Trust that God is the one who's provided what you have. See, what happens if we don't do that? Well, we become prideful, greedy, blinded. We think it's because of our expertise that we got there. And I know none of us struggle with this. But it's when we think if we're doing really well in a certain area that we can actually start to become experts in every area, right? And so what he's saying is this, be humble, honor the Lord, believe it's from God. Second, the lows, verses 11 through 12. These are about facing the difficulties in life. It's about having perspective. So my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. We see it later in the book of Hebrews where he talks about uh, the, 
the being a child of God is not everything's going to go super well for you in life, but there's going to be difficulties and challenges that you're going to face, but that God's with you and he loves you through it and he's, gonna, he's actually refining your character. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. See, what happens if we don't see God teaching us through trials? We can become bitter. We can become resentful. We can become jaded. See, this is an invitation to see that even the valleys, God is with us and he's at work. Wisdom is not knowing we will face both highs and lows. It's how we do it. It's how we do it. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Does it say that everything is good? No. But it's working together for good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He's saying is that God is shaping you from the inside out in ways that you could never have guessed or estimated. Could have never seen it in my own eyes, but that God saw it in his eyes as he looked upon us. And so just quickly as we end here, some quick takeaways. Where do you start? Where do I start? First is this. Ask God for his definition of success. Ask God for his definition of success. There are many ways that we can start to define success in our own eyes. But what does it look like in the eyes of the Lord? See, this will help you examine what path or road that you're currently on. Now, there was a, a quote by a lady, Cynthia Heimel. It was, it's a quote that I, I read about um, from another pastor. But it was taken from something called the village voice. It was talking about the emptiness of fame. And here's what she wrote. She knew all these people. She kind of put them out there, but we can learn from this. She says, I pity celebrities. No, I really do. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Barbara Streisand. were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. You see, Sly... Bruce, Barbara wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and in the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness, had happened. And they were still them. See, that's a scary reality, right? That thing that we can just be pursuing or striving for and we say that's the goal, that's the end. It's, it's like my friend Matt told me. He said, you know, it's, it's like getting to the top of the staircase, opening the door and realizing it's an empty room. Is that our pursuit? Because that's not wisdom. God says, Proverbs 3, 4, 
so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. He's saying that's what it is. That's what it is. Success here is defined by favor or grace from God. That's what it is. And first, it's, it's knowing that the sight of God is what matters before anything. Do you see the order? First in the sight of God and then man. That's the order. Second, commit to God's way. Commit. See, when it talks about binding yourself, you really have to bind yourself to this because there are going to be things that want to take you away. But what happens when we bind ourselves to this? What happens when we bind ourselves to God's word? What happens when we say, okay, God, I truly trust you. I want to bind myself to this and be a, a, a person that believes this. Jerry Bridges says, to, to meditate on the scriptures is to think about them, turning them over in our minds and applying them to our life situations. The objective of our meditation is application, obedience to the scriptures. See, that's what it is. You're like thinking about it all the time. I hope some of you have taken this challenge of, of just reading Proverbs for the next few months, just reading it daily, like one chapter. So today I read uh, chapter 29. But just reading it and just like thinking about it, right? Just whatever day it is, I'm going to read that, that chapter that day. Let it sink deep into your hearts. Let it start to be applied in your everyday life. The last one is this. Trust the perfect parent. Trust the perfect parent. Some of us have grown up and we didn't get the, the, hey, let me take you aside. Let me show you life. Like, we didn't get that. But I want you to know that there's a perfect parent. It's God the Father who says, I, I want to take you. I want to show you life. I want to I guide you. We're going to see in, in chapter 8 that, that wisdom is calling out to anyone who would listen. God said, you need wisdom? You, you want to know what life is about? Come on in. Like, come to me. Don't stand on the outside. Don't try to do life on your own. Like, come to me. Calling out to anyone. Charles Spurgeon once said, this is a paraphrase, but he says, God is too good to be unkind, and he's too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. See, there are going to be times where you, you go through life and you're like, I, I, can't, I can't trace what he's doing right now, Lord. Lord, what are you doing? I'm binding myself to this. I'm trying to trust you. I'm trying to, to believe. I, I want that love to sink deep into my heart. Like, I don't know what's going on. Do you love me? Do you love me? You bind yourself to this. And to trust his heart. What's his heart? How do you know this to be true? Well, we have something that the author of Proverbs didn't have. We know and can trace what God's plan was in a way that he couldn't. And here's what it is. 
that 2,000 years ago, the, the wisest man to ever walk this earth, Jesus Christ, he walked, he talked, he lived. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived, and he lived perfectly. And he also, and I'm going to go next month to Jerusalem and see the Via Della Rosa. You know what the Via Della Rosa is? It's the, it's the way of suffering. It's the path in which Jesus walked all the way to the cross. And when you see and believe that he walked the way of suffering for you and me, you'll start to experience the love of God in your heart. You'll start to see it. It'll become real. It'll become tangible for you. And then you see the culmination of it all the way as Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross for our foolishness for our, our rebellion, for all the things that we've done so that he could say, I love you. See, for God so loved the world that he did give his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. We shall not destroy our own lives, but have eternal life because of him. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? You trust him in the heart, like his heart for you? How are you going to respond? Will it be, Lord, help me to hold on to what you say? I might not see it all right now, but Lord, I trust you. I believe. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that it was you who walked down that path, down that road, all the way to the cross. And Lord, we come to you just asking for your wisdom on how to navigate this life, knowing that ultimately we don't have to walk on our own, but you've walked before us, you walk with us, Help us to see it more and more, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.